Hey, I'm Ben Silverio. And I'm Ansel Birch. And it's time, time to, to party. party. We're not doctors. We don't give medical advice. Please drink responsibly. This episode was recorded on November 26th, 2023. I mean, I guess it probably would have been better if I was singing uh, Santa Claus is Coming to Town. Right? You know, uh, you'll have another opportunity, so... Yeah, you know, that would have been fitting because, you know, party people, we are back again with another installment of Time to Christmas Party, our uh, our gift to you, the listeners, uh, in an effort to make the end of the year more holly and jolly, since, you know, 2023 uh, is a flaming pile of poo. (laughs) (laughs) The, the dumpster just keeps getting fuller. It's true. It's not going down. <laughs> but yes. It's been on fire. It, so yes. long. So long. It's never going away. Uh, uh, if you missed out on our first episode uh, of this month, uh, we took a look at It's a Wonderful Life, a holiday classic. Um and the whole idea is just to 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 put us all in the holiday spirit by reviewing and remembering some of our favorite bits of some of our favorite Christmas movies. Um, and yeah, I'm sure you were expecting a lot of things like It's a Wonderful Life or Elf or A Christmas Story or all of those, right? Like, oh, surely they're just going to talk about the classics. Well, guess what? Definitely. This week, we're, we wanted to talk about Violent Night, which came out in 2022. Uh, but in my opinion, it is a new classic. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, if you haven't seen it, trust me when I tell you, I was of the mind that this was going to be a frivolous C-list holiday movie. You know, like, if you look at the trailers, if you look at the posters, it's easy to write it off and be like, this is, this is dumb. Mm-hmm. But it's I just going to be dumb fun. Yeah. I swear to you, David Harbour as Santa Claus in a, a, an elf meets John Wick type of role is sometimes exactly what you need. So mm-hmm. if if you don't know about Violent Night. Uh, Here's what our good friends at uh, IMDb tell us. Uh, When a group of mercenaries attack the estate of a wealthy family, Santa Claus must step in to save the day and Christmas. Now, we already mentioned uh, David Harbour. He's the star. He plays Santa. Um, There's a lot of awesome performances in this movie, uh, especially from John Leguizamo. And Beverly D'Angelo, who goes very much against type, uh, you you probably remember her as the mom in the vacation movies. Uh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. That's a great that's a great pull. Yeah, hmm. yeah. But so, but behind the scenes, uh, the the filmmaker responsible for Violent Night is Tommy Workola. 
you may know him from movies such as Dead Snow and uh, What Happened to Monday. Um, but I think the the biggest thing that people will probably know from him uh, is Hansel and Gretel Witch Hunters. So he, so he really has a way of like taking established lore and making it more badass. Yeah, that's a good way right? to put it. Yeah, like sure, Hansel and Gretel Witch Hunters probably isn't the the best movie, but like he tried to do something different with it, and like I respect that. He he made an action movie out of Hansel and Gretel, and I think that's all you need to know. Yeah, about his credentials. <laughs> it's true, and um, along with him uh, on the producing side of things, um, it was. I I don't want to give you the wrong name. It's uh, David Lynch. That's right. Um, And if that name doesn't sound familiar to you, he was also one of the people who worked on John Wick, Atomic Blonde, and Deadpool 2. So, like, his resume of these badass beat-down scenes, you know... uh, he he's he's qualified. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's seen but, a few you know, of them here and there. Yeah, exactly. Arguably the best ones. <laughs> but you know, let's let's go back to to the David Harbor of it all. <laughs> uh, Ansel, how do you think David Harbor compares in terms of uh, cinematic Santas? You know, I I think that it's it's really interesting to have somebody who's playing Santa who's past it and over it, but actually looks a lot like the Santa we expect. You know, a lot of the modern Santas we've had, they don't have that, like, apple of the cheek, you know, sparkle eye... Um, look that we were kind of set up to expect as kids from like the Rankin and Bass specials that we're going to cover later in the month. Um, and David Harbor has that face shape. Like David Harbor fits the like what Santa's supposed to look like uh, criteria that were in my head. And yeah, I mean they had to paste a beard on him and stuff, but um. I think he did. Well, we a normally really see good him with a beard, right? Like, what's that? Don't we normally see him with a beard? Um, I guess a goatee. I think we've seen him. I think we've seen him with a beard and without a beard. Like, I think about Stranger Things at the very beginning, mm. and I think he just had a mustache. Oh, right. Okay. Um, but the long beard that they put on him, like, really, I mean, it it works. It works. Mm-hmm. I think he's. A, I think he's a very compelling Santa, which is a a thing I was not prepared to say before I watched this movie. Absolutely. So from one. What about you? Did you did he meet you with your Santa expectations? Absolutely. I mean, we saw how how caring he can be in Stranger Things. So he has that inherent, mm-hmm. um, you know love of children and you know protectiveness um 
but you know he something about his his laugh and his smile kind of says santa i think he does a really good job of uh of bringing both of those things to the table um yeah you know every you covered it you know that that look is just so spot on right um mm-hmm. david harbour's got also, a twinkle it's true he does but he's also that rugged badass <laughs> yeah and i mean uh part of what makes violent night so interesting is that they established this backstory of Santa being like this Norse warrior with a hammer called Skull Crusher. And I mean, yeah, that may not be a Santa myth that we've heard before, but it, the, it, it is I'm kind of it. based in in historical accuracy, right? Is it? I, this is, uh, do tell, go on. No, well, I mean, like, I remember reading an article or something where, like, Elements of that, you know, are kind of true, um, you know, of of, uh, of the the Norse recollection of of things. But also, I have oh, a feeling. Oh, sure, sure, sure. I guess if you look back at, at the origins of Christmas being on Yule uh, celebrations, and then yeah, I guess there's an argument to be made that like yeah, it it makes sense that if there is a spirit of Christmas that goes back to ancient days, well, ancient early medieval days, um, then yeah, a a Viking or Viking adjacent era fighter makes as much sense as anything for a, a Yule tide, um, uh, protector or Yule tide, uh, uh, symbol or agent it's almost like jason momoa as aquaman you wouldn't expect aquaman to be a pacific islander but when he is one it's like oh obviously you know that's a very good point yeah um you know i i <laughs> i don't know as much about uh santa lore as i do superheroes but you know i'm sure somebody could or will at us and be like what are you talking about <laughs> <laughs> well, the but thing about Santa right? lore, though, like, it does. It does. The thing about Santa lore is we made most of it up within the last century. Yeah, like the 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 myth of Santa wearing primarily red, right? Mm-hmm. Wasn't that a yep, Coca Cola thing? New. Uh, I think yeah, primarily Coca Cola is my understanding. Um, even just like the the centralization of everything on Santa is is a 1950s 19 um 1930s 1950s marketing thing that sort of like built off of a conglomeration of myths um but from from i read an article recently that i'm not going to remember very well but they were talking about how yeah prior to the prior to the 1900s there was not like a singular santa claus myth that anyone would point to um and even like Saint Nicholas, the the religious figure, um, w- the conflation of those two people wasn't wasn't a thing prior to that. Um, and these, you know, Father Christmases and all of that stuff were all generally um, a less 
less part of the celebration. Um, like I think the German Father Christmas is just like a sidekick to Krampus, mm. if I remember correctly from that article. Um, so yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting that that's something we all stuck onto as a like way to secularize this holiday. Do you feel like those parents who feel who who say that telling their kids about Santa is lying to them? Do you feel like that's that's accurate? Oh, the miracle on 34th Street of it all? <laughs> um, I don't know that I would say it's lying so much. Um, it's definitely, you know, telling them something that's not true. Um, but um, I don't know. As with a lot of a lot of things that we do societally that are meant to be formate formative morality tales or formative uh, experiences, you know, letting the child experience the fullness of the event or um, situation is more important than them fully understanding it. It's like science class, mm -hmm. third grade science class. They don't expect you to understand how any of that crap works. They're going to say the words at you, but you, you don't need to understand molecular density. You don't need to understand chemical reactions. But if you get to see the the baking soda and the vinegar react, then you're going to go, well, that's cool. And maybe pay some more attention to science class from that point forward until some of it gets stuck. And I, I think that's, you know, these morality tales that we tell, these ideas of like, yeah, you should be good because... Um, you know, because there's like a spirit of giving that's, that's, uh, important to this season. I think there's a relevance to that. Um, I mean, granted it also has this like panopticon be good because someone's watching, mm -hmm. uh, vibe to it that that's pretty harmful. I think you should be good because it's good to be good. Not sure. you should be good because you want presents. <laughs> Well, because the overlord will see and you won't get presents. <laughs> see, the, like, the all-seeing eye of the claws is upon you. The claws. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, the thing about Santa for me that I think is fun, you know, like, I, I think I discovered at a pretty young age that Santa was a real person and part of this myth is based on that. But then it's like suspension of disbelief can be fun, right? Sure. And part of the Santa experience is embracing suspension of disbelief, uh, you know, whether the kids know it or not at the time, right? So it's like, I don't know if it's a lie, but like, it's as much of a lie as it is to be like, oh, hey, we're going to Disneyland to meet Mickey Mouse. You mm -hmm. know? Like, it's just part of the magic of of embracing a story. And I yeah. think I've always appreciated that about the Santa tradition. You know, even even to an extent when when organized religion was part of my thing. You know, it was like, yeah, you know, it's... it's uh, uh, there is some good in it, 
um, and it can teach you something uh, and can give you a good feeling. Um, but you know, when those things b- get to extreme is when the problem starts to arise, mm-hmm. right? Like if you're only well, and- good because you want Santa to bring you something, then you're missing the point. Yeah. Well, and it, it does, like you're saying, it goes back to the shared stories. And I think that's, I think you hit on a lot of good points that sort of lead to that. The, the going to meet Mickey Mouse, the believing in Santa, the believing in, uh, you know, your, your Lord and Savior who died on a cross and all of that business. You know, these are shared stories mm-hmm. that give us all a point of reference if we are in that community. Um, and yeah, so Santa's, Santa's one of those. And I, I don't know that it counts the same as lying to tell a story. Heck, that's why I got into acting. Right. Um, that said, we do as a society spend a lot of time pretending that this is actual reality and not just a story. So like, <laughs> oh, okay, there's, I can see the argument. I can see the argument. Um, but going back to my reference to uh, miracle on 34th street, that is the, that is the thing that they focus on, right? Mm. Like the reason that Chris Kringle takes issue with um, Susie, not believing in Santa Claus isn't because she doesn't believe in him. It's because she doesn't have an imagination Mm. and teaching her to have an imagination is the thing that he focuses on. Yeah. Um, So I think, yeah, that's, that's a very good point that you're making that like, it is about storytelling. It's about having that fantasy, having that suspension of disbelief, even if it is like specific to this holiday and maybe fraught with a couple layers of, of problematic uh, trapping. Yeah. And, you know, it, it particularly comes in handy in Violent Night when, um, what what's the character's name? Uh, the little girl. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, right. Uh, Trudy. When, Trudy. When Trudy gets the walkie-talkie from her dad because he forgot to take her to, bring, to, to meet Santa at the mall. Uh, so she, he, he gives her a special walkie-talkie where she can talk to Santa. And it just so happens that Dave Harbor Santa finds it. Or at least yeah, happens, finds the, to, happens to be there. Finds the right channel on the, on the walkie-talkie and does talk to her. But, you know, she because of her belief in Santa, she helps uh, save her family. Also, you know, because she watched uh, Home Alone the night before. Man, let's let's talk about some of those kills. Oh my god! Because there are so many good ones in this movie. Uh, the uh, man the the way that this movie embraced all of the holiday tropes, including Home Alone, and including. Um, even the Santa Claus to a certain extent, mm-hmm. um, it really made it a, a Christmas movie for our time in a lot of ways. Um, but I yeah, certainly the, got the a lot traps. of traps. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I certainly got a bit of uh, bad Santa vibes, even, you know, someone, uh, a Santa who is, is over it, who, who's, mm-hmm. you know, uh, like an elf who's wondering if the holiday spirit even exists anymore. 
You know, you, yeah. you, you get all of those elements in this. I mean, that goes all the way back to the year without a Santa Claus, mm -hmm. which I'm a spoiler. We're going to talk about later in the month, but yeah, the, the whole, like people don't give a shit about me. Do I really need to keep doing this? Um, like that's, that's a vibe. I mean, it's, that's a George Bailey vibe. It's such a George Bailey vibe. Gosh. Well, I mean, it's a good thing that George Bailey and Santa continued. Yup. Because, you know, if, if he didn't, then Santa wouldn't get to use uh, his beloved hammer again. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. I think that was my favorite fight scene in, in, in this. Oh. I mean, with good reason. It was, <laughs> it was so perfect. And, I mean, it shows that they had people who have worked on projects like John Wick and uh, and uh, Atomic Blonde. You know, the, the ability to build multiple, like awesome hard uh like incredibly um uh, visceral fight scenes that all build towards one absolute kick-ass fight scene in the snow with lots of blood and explosions and flashbacks um you know that's that practice shows in this movie and the fact that they did it while also being like a silly Christmas movie um, is all the more impressive, mm -hmm. I think. Absolutely. And, and <laughs> it's just so incredibly violent. So, <laughs> so, so <gory>. violent. <laughs> I was not prepared for the amount of blood that would be on the screen. Um I, I thought it was going to be more like cutaway and and then if and then result, you know, kind of like Tom Alone, where it's like, sure. oh yeah, you you see the iron hit Merv in the head, and then you see the the burn, but you never saw like the blood all over the floor or you know whatever. This was this was a whole other level. Yeah, you know, honestly, when I first saw it, I was expecting like Santa Slay, S L A Y, starring Bill Goldberg. Yes. You know, which is like a movie that's so bad it's good that you keep watching with your friends when you want to watch something goofy at Christmas time. But this is like legitimately good. Like it's not even bad. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's so good it's, it's good. just a good movie. Yeah. Um do you think that Violent Night will endure as a holiday classic from here on out? I do. I think Violent Night is going to join Die Hard in the like adult Christmas movie pantheon. Um, it's a little bit more schmaltzy than Die Hard, so like it'll definitely be the the you know more saccharin of the two, which is a weird thing to say. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, I think that this absolutely has a place in the the adult Christmas movie pantheon. Um, I think the only question will be if being an adult movie will hurt its longevity. Cause mm -hmm. so many of our Christmas movies are ones that you're like indoctrinated into as a kid, like either because, you know, they play it's a wonderful life on your local NBC station every single year, five times a year. Um, or because, you know, elf is super accessible for children or, you know, whatever it is. Um, Violent Night isn't going to have that um, advantage. Sure. 
but I think it, it'll it'll maintain popular with the the young adult crowd, you know, mm-hmm. like the before Christmas break movie, you know, like uh, you're you're hanging out at the dorms with your friends before going home for break, and I mean, it did this could lend itself to our audience pretty well because there are a lot of excuses to drink or smoke. Yup. <laughs> honestly that's a like solid set that's as good a segue as we're gonna get my friend i know right look at that it's like we've been doing this for a while <laughs> <laughs> but yes since we are not doing edutainment this month because who needs homework over christmas break uh we thought that we'd still give you some drinking and smoking rules as a treat because you've all been good little boys girls and however you identify yourself. Mm-hmm. Good good little kids. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, my, I had one rule that I think would carry you through the whole thing. And, oh, do tell. Uh, I was going to make my rule take a drink every time um, John Leguizamo uses a Christmas... Uh, Christmas imagery as, as in, like, a mean way. You know, like, his oh. whole... His whole crew is named after Christmas items. You know, he he uses Christmas almost like as a weapon, you know, throughout the movie. It's the puns from him specifically. Like, uh-huh. I think having a drinking rule centered on John Leguizamo's character's hate for Christmas uh, <laughs> would really carry you through the entire movie. That is so funny because that was going to be my rule as well. No way. Um, uh, not, not. I, I wasn't going to phrase it that way. Mine was going to be uh, every time you learn a new uh, name for one of the characters on mm. John Leguizamo's crew, because they are all, <laughs> you know, tinsel and holly and whatever. Jingle, gingerbread, um, <laughs> candy God. cane. What a what a choice! What a choice! Yes. Um, so instead, I will offer, um, go ahead and take a drink every time Santa kills somebody, <laughs> um, which happens enough that you could really so much you could you could do OK just with that one rule. Yeah. Um, um, or, or maybe just when every time Santa finishes a fight with someone, maybe there you go. We, maybe we don't have to kill them. <laughs> uh, but uh, but yeah. He he finishes quite a lot of fights. Uh, it's true with, with varying degrees of violence. Um, and I'd like to have a smoking rule because uh, the uh, the family, the um, Lightstones, are insufferable. Mm-hmm. They're terrible, <laughs> Ex- except for Trudy, obviously. Um, but uh, I think you could totally take a hit every time you are annoyed by one of the Lightstones. Like uh, <laughs> like Jason's <laughs> nephew, Bertrude. <laughs> because, because the daughter couldn't name her son Gertrude after her mother um, to suck that up. That would be wild. Instead, Bertrude. <laughs> Jesus. Or when uh, when the daughter's boyfriend the himbo movie star starts talking about 
Oh my god, just want to deck, deck his so, balls. So take a hit every time they're the worst. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, I was also going to throw out there, maybe take a shot. Because it doesn't happen enough, but it does happen a, a, a few times. Uh, but I think this is a good shot rule. Every time there's a direct and obvious reference to another Christmas movie. Oh, that's a good one. I like that. I mean, Die Hard, uh, um, whatchamacallit, um, Die Hard, Home Alone. There's so many. They, they bring up a bunch. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was also going to propose a shot rule. Uh, as we like to do here at Time to Party, uh, we like to pay our respects, you know, and I think uh, that Beverly D'Angelo deserves our respect and should uh, should be cheersed by by all. So take a I, shot I, for Beverly D'Angelo. I support that. I support that. I mean, whenever she, you feel moved. Absolutely. She had to put up with uh, Chevy Chase for all those movies. So she she deserves it. <laughs> That's a great point. <laughs> Which is your favorite National Lampoon's vacation movie? Oh, man. Um, what was the one where they went to the Grand Canyon? Uh, I think that the was Hoover just, Dam. Oh, no, that was um, that was Vegas, right? Is that Vegas vacation? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Does anyone have any more damn, damn questions? <laughs> mm-hmm. That one was really good. I felt like Christmas Vacation is a classic for a lot of people, but it never spoke to me. Sure. Um, and Vegas vacation was just like slightly more tolerable for some reason. Um, like they're funny. Don't get me wrong, but they're not like movies. I want to watch again. Oh. They were fine. They were fine once when I was a teenager in the nineties and, and early two thousands, but uh, yeah, I don't, I don't need them. <laughs> again. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually nothing my... against people who love them. Sure. But... Not my uh, jam. That's actually my the. I have the same answer. Vegas Vacation is my favorite, um, partially because I love all the old Vegasy bits, and you know, when when Vegas was all about the the showmanship and shit like that. Um, but I don't know. I I loved the little. I I put I put a nickel. Uh, I put a quarter in. I want a car. I put a quarter in. I want a car. <laughs> like Nick Papa Giorgio, <laughs> and. And, uh, you know, uh, Ellen getting uh, romanced by Wayne Newton. Like, it just seemed like such a such a snapshot of, like, the, the Vegas culture when we were growing up, you know? And, mm-hmm. like, I miss a lot of that because, like, Treasure Island isn't the same anymore. You know, th- there's no Siegfried and Roy. There's, like, sure. so much of, like, the... the the classic Vegas vibe is gone. Um, yeah. I mean, Vegas is more about like residencies for washed up musicians from the nineties and, and gambling, I guess that's it. I think it is mostly the gambling now and like bringing in the, the big sporting events like the, the fights and stuff like that. Sure. 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 Because like, they've got a lot of like big event spaces. Yeah. yeah, and like the the Madison Sphere Garden. Um, Sorry, what? Okay, have you not heard of this giant sphere? No. So basically, it's this huge sphere that like has that's a, a giant video screen, like three hundred sixty degrees around, um, and it 
like it turns into a bunch of crazy shit, like like an eyeball or like some other weird stuff. It's no. Oh, that's in Vegas. Yeah, that's the in one Vegas. with the projectors on the outside. Yes. I thought that was in Dubai for some reason. Oh, I think they have one too. <laughs> I uh, I oh. wouldn't doubt it. Um, but yeah, the one in Vegas is. Uh, I believe U2 was the first band to play there. Um, but they also have like this giant like IMAX movie experience inside. Um, I mean, sure. But yeah, no, the fact that they didn't actually call it Madison Sphere Garden is nuts because I think it is owned by MSG. Uh, oh, really? Yeah. Um, and I just thought it would have been funny. To call it Madison Sphere Garden. I mean, yeah, that's hilarious. <laughs> a missed opportunity. I've never heard it called that, but yeah, that's great. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, you know, I, I miss the the conversation pits and the the big ass drinks and the you know the wild suits and the lounge performers and the fucking pirates on the pirate ship when you're walking down the strip. Hell, even for the. Uh, for that that F one race that they just had in Vegas, which was a complete flop, by the way, um, oh. they they put the bandstand or the the grandstands on the Bellagio fountain. So, like, they took all of the the quintessential Vegasness of Vegas away to to make this race course, huh. and, and it was just pointless. Like, what's the point? Why? And they ended up charging a ton of money for these tickets that no one bought. <laughs> I mean, they did one of these races in Chicago, and look how annoying it was there. So, it was, oh my god, it was doubly annoying in Vegas because they were actually like uh, blocking off or altering landmarks, <laughs> not just causing yeah, traffic. Yeah, at least in Chicago, they just sort of like closed down a bunch of streets and made everything super inconvenient for. a what like a week or whatever yeah so hopefully you know um it's funny i was saying how pointless it would be to go to vegas from now until the end of the year and i'm going to vegas next month (laughs) are you really yeah i am my my parents have a timeshare and they got like free Uh. they got like a free stay at uh at one of the resorts and vegas is the closest one so we're gonna go to vegas (laughs) that's nice yeah the resort is super nice, so I'll probably just hang out there, and I'll go to Old Vegas, like uh, there you go. Fremont Street and stuff like that, because I like that stuff. I, I've actually never been. Oh man, you know what? It's you would so love. interesting to hear all this like nostalgia from you, because like, yeah, I've, I mean, I've been to near Vegas. I have a, I have a cousin who lives near there. Um, but yeah, never, never actually went to Vegas. I think you would enjoy the Neon Museum, where they—it's basically a neon graveyard of all the old signs from the Strip and around Vegas. And at night, they turn them all on. Um, oh, yeah! So it's a super cool museum. Um, and the Burlesque Hall of Fame is a great museum. They—they're you were telling me about that. Yeah, that sounds great. Their guides are extremely knowledgeable and uh, very fun and engaging. Highly recommend checking out the Burlesque Hall of Fame if you can. There is one era of Vegas that I do miss out on that I could have gone to. I just wasn't interested at the time. So they had a Star Trek experience in Vegas. Oh, yes. And basically it was like a recreation of the Enterprise and Mm -hmm. Quark's Bar and things like that. 
And I've the, heard great things about the Star Trek experience. Yeah, yep. that's I'm sad to have missed that as well. Me too. And the crazy part is I'm pretty sure I was there when it was a thing. Uh, as a oh, kid. Oh, really? Yeah, because my, my family would go to Vegas, you know, a bunch. And uh, I just remember piling into an SUV and having to sit in the very, very back, like in the trunk, because <laughs> we would all pile in. Um, but yeah, at the time, I wasn't into Star Trek. It wasn't until lockdown that I got into Star Trek. So, uh, but now I love lower decks. Sure. <laughs> lower, yeah. decks. I mean, lower, lower decks. Lower decks. Lower decks. Yeah. <laughs> uh, lower decks also got me into Tawny Newsom's podcast. Oh, um, she's great, which is so good. I love Tawny Newsom. Uh, yeah, she's great. She's uh, great. Uh, I found out that Jack Quaid still does improv with his group here in LA. Really? Yeah. So I'm trying to catch their next performance. And I'm hoping that the Lower Decks Funko Pops are out by then so I could have him sign a Boimler. <laughs> Although Heck I think yeah. it, it I'm would be sure a lot. I'm sure he'll be thrilled. I think it would be a lot funnier if I got a Boimler plate and, have, oh, and had him yes. sign a plate. <laughs> oh, Jack Quaid is just so good. Truly, truly, truly. And did I see that he's in a horror movie now? Is he? Quick vamp while I look it up. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, Jack Quaid is so multi-talented. You know, his stuff on The Boys is really good. Um, but it's just everything that he does now. <laughs> uh, I know that you've seen the uh, the crossover between uh, Strange New Worlds and Lower Decks. We were talking about this, right? Oh, yes. Oh, incredible. What a great incredible. episode. <laughs> But yeah, you know, almost similarly to to Violent Night, I wasn't expecting to enjoy Lower Decks as much as I as I do, because you know it kind of has that uh, Rick and Morty esque style to it um, that's kind of taken over American animation. Um, but it's it once you once you get beyond the cover, uh, when when I reviewed. Um, violent night for slash film um because i mean not to brag or anything but i got to i got to be at the world premiere of pretty good of violent night at new york comic-con uh which was great i was in this in this hall filled with a ton of enthusiastic fans there was uh christmas carolers and dave harbour and john leguizamo came out and it was super cool but um as i said in my review uh, it's really, really hard not to judge a book by its cover sometimes. Um, but uh, there is a rare occasion where the thing ends up being immensely better than you could have ever imagined. And, you know, Violent Nights and uh, and uh, Lower Decks are kind of that for me, I think. Mm. Interesting. At I'll say I thought Lower Decks was going to be great, so I was never surprised about Lower Decks. But <laughs> Violent Night, I thought was going to be a dumb good time, and uh, I was pleasantly surprised by how how um, poignant and thoughtful and uh, f fun and impactful it was. And and yeah, the fact that I do want to keep watching it every year. Oh yes. Um. But yeah, I think that's that is the the. 
the best thing we can leave this on. And oh, uh, and Jack Quaid was in the most recent screen. There the it guy. is. That's that's what it was. He's the secret villain of the new Scream movie. Spoilers. I know. I haven't even seen it. Ha! That's how much I care. <laughs> Well, uh, party people, you can find us on the internet. I am at bsilverio20 on Instagram, X, Threads, Blue Sky, etc. <laughs> and I am at the Indecisionist on uh, Threads, Blue Sky, and all the meta properties. Uh, and if you really want to find me on X, uh, I'm at Indecisionist there. Uh, you can use the hashtag time to party. That's time the number two party in case you want to join in on the conversation. Including hashtag time the number two party all spelled out. Thanks, Warwick. Uh, hopefully this uh, conversation about Violent Night uh, raised your holiday spirit just a bit and uh, inspired you to take a chance on something that you're not uh, expecting to be good. Because it could be great. Or at least to crush some skulls. Absolutely. Because what says Merry Christmas more than crushing skulls? (laughs) Where do you think the the jingle and jingle all the way comes from? That's right. Skulls. Crush skulls. That's right. Skulls. So, uh, party people, while you go out and find your own skull crusher and the meaning of Christmas, we want to remind you to be excellent to each other. And party on, dudes. Why did you let me keep going? Why would I stop you? (laughs) 